How are you doing, New Day 2019? You good? So good to see you in what is uh, day three of uh, 12s to 14s. Uh, we'll be continuing on looking at the, uh, what some have called the, the greatest uh, chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Uh, have you guys been enjoying Romans 8? Good, good, good. We'll be continuing on in Romans 8 in just a moment. Uh, but before I launch in, I just wanted to say this. Nigerians are the funniest people. Because when you grow up in a Nigerian home, this is what it's like. There's something called uh, jollof rice. And when you grow up in a Nigerian home, you, you eat a lot of jollof rice. You have it like literally, basically every day. And for those of you that don't know, jollof rice is kind of like this spicy rice uh, with vegetables. Um, and there's been a bit of uh, uh, an argument, if you like, between the Nigerians and the Ghanaians. <laughs> because the Nigerians and the Ghanaians argue about who does the best jollof. And um, I'm, I am going to be... I'm going to be presenting the award for the world's best jollof rice, New Day 2019. And it goes to... Drum roll, please. The Nigerians! Sorry, Ghanaians. Uh, you tried your best, but Nigeria, number one. Number one. So you, you, you eat a lot of, um, of jollof rice uh, growing up. But I grew up in a, a place called um, Campbelly in Surrey. And I... I, when we moved in 30 years ago, as I've mentioned before, we were really the only African family around. And, and I wanted to be discreet. I, I didn't really want anyone to know that I was born in Nigeria or I was African, although I suppose it was fairly obvious. Um, so I kept, it, I, kept it, I kept on the DL, on the down low. Uh, and so most of my friends growing up, they were, they were British. So I tried my best to act as whatever I thought British was, try to act as British as possible. But my mum uh, quickly uh, sniffed this out because she was wondering why I never invited friends round for dinner. And so my mum took it upon herself to invite a friend round for tea. Now, I'd been to uh, my friends' houses for tea and what they would generally serve, what their mums would generally serve, things like pizza, fish fingers, that kind of thing. But when my mum invited little Johnny round for tea, she served him jollof rice and goat meat. Johnny, Johnny had never seen anything like it before. Uh, I could see Johnny was struggling. And so he asked my mum for a snack. My mum gave him plantain crisps. I could see Johnny was struggling even more. Johnny asked my mum for a drink. My mum gave him super malt. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, super malt is a non-alcoholic beverage. But Johnny wasn't supposed to know that, was he? So, needless to say, Johnny never came back to my house again. But that wasn't the only time that my mum embarrassed me. Uh, before um, you leave school, uh, you have, many of you, most of you will have what we call a prom. And what a prom is, is a massive leavers do, I believe it's in year 11, when you're 16, after you've done your GCSEs. And it's a big celebration, and everyone gets uh, dressed up. It's a really special occasion. Uh, now, my mum, 
she was pretty keen on choosing what I wore to prom. She was like really keen. And my mum was insistent. And I said, look, mum, I, I want to do it. She said, no, 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 I will choose what you wear. I was like, okay, mum, okay. I'll just give you one criteria, one stipulation. Just do one thing for me. I said, I just want to blend in. Right? I don't want people to know I'm, I look different already to everyone around. I just want to blend in and look, look the same as everyone else. Can you do that for me? She said, okay. And that's what she said. Uh, the day of the prom, my mum unveiled what I would wear. Do you want to see what my mum chose for me to wear to prom? <laughs> Are you ready for this? This is my mum trying to make me look discreet. <sighs> if you keep it back on, You can see that I am wearing literally the opposite of everyone else. They wore black shoes, I wore white. They wore black suits, I wore white. They wore white shirts, I wore black. They wore no hat, I wore a hat. They bought corsages, I bought a cane. And yes, that is a cane. Essentially, my mum dressed me up as Snoop Dogg for prom. <laughs> this is my mum trying to make me look discreet. Thanks very much, mum. Uh, so so that actually leans into what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about glory. Uh, you'll see where that links in in just a moment. But my friend Lauren is just going to read the scripture. Still in Romans 8, uh, we're in chapter, excuse me, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Father God, we thank you for Romans. We thank you for Romans 8 and the treasure that there is in there. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would show us your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about glory. And glory can be defined as magnificence and great beauty. Magnificence and great beauty. Glory can also be defined as wearing a white suit to prom. And, um, and essentially, we, we love glory, right? We, we all love these glorious moments. We, we do. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Lionel Messi play football. Uh, that guy is a phenomenon. Uh, the way he's able to split defences with one pass. Uh, the way he's, he's able to dribble past two, three, four, five, six players. Uh, the way he's, the goals he's able to score, not just the goals he's able to score, but the, 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 the numbers, just goal after goal, 40 goals a season. Uh, the way that the crowds in Barcelona, where he plays, chant his name, Messi, Messi, Messi. The way the next day at school, everyone's talking about, did you see what Messi did? Did you see the skill? Did you see the goal he scored? 
Messi's footballing ability is pretty glorious. But maybe you're not into football or sport. Maybe you're more into music. Perhaps you caught some of Glastonbury on TV last, uh, a few weeks ago. Or maybe you've seen your favorite artist in person, your favorite musician. Or let's take Beyonce, for example. Perhaps you've seen her in action. Perhaps you've seen the way she thinks, sings. Think, wow, she sings amazing. She looks amazing. She's dressed amazing. All of the crowd knows every single word to her song and they're singing it back to her. It's glorious. But perhaps sport isn't your thing and perhaps music isn't your thing. Uh, Perhaps you're more of an outdoors type of person. Perhaps nature is your thing. Perhaps you've seen the glory of a sunset. And you've seen the oranges and the yellows and the the blues and the reds and the violets and the pinks. And you thought, oh, that is glorious. You see, we all love glorious. We we love glory. And the reason that we love glory is actually because you and I, we, we were made in this way. We were made to view glory. We were made to be in the presence of Jesus and to look upon him and see him in all of his glory, all of his brightness, all of his splendor, all of his majesty. And, and that's why when these moments occur in, on this earth that are glorious, it gets us excited because actually these, these moments are pointing to one that is permanently glorious. However, the the issue with the glory of of this earth is that the glory on this earth, it fades. It fades. Therefore, if you've ever seen a sunset, you wouldn't have seen it for very long. Because before long, the sunset fades into darkness. Fades into black. Or take Messi. His footballing ability won't stay at this level forever. One day he won't be able to play football. Take Beyonce. She won't be able to perform at the level she's performing forever either. One day she won't be able to sing as well, dance as well. One day she will die and I will die and you will die. The trouble with this earth is the glory that we we so seek, it always fades. And the reason it fades is really because because of sin. And on the first morning, we touched on uh, the original sin. We touched on that, how Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they were forbidden to eat, and, and, and they sinned. But I just wanted to uh, show you something. Uh, this is something of a visual example of what has happened to the world. So if you look, what I've got here is I have got waters, a fish tank. And this fish tank represents the world, represents the creation. I wonder if we can get a close-up of that on the camera. And essentially... This fish tank, as I say, represents the world. And before God, before sin came into the world, the world was perfect. It was good, and humanity was very good. And I don't know if you can see, but in here are are two people. One is Adam, and one is Eve. And that's how it was, clear, perfect. But as so often with sin, what happens is, with sin, we, we feel sin is just going to affect us. Maybe you've done something wrong and you thought, oh, well, I haven't hurt anyone, really. But the trouble is with sin is it spreads. Sin can be like a bomb. It spreads aggressively to all the areas of life, really. And what you have here is a representation of the perfect earth. And then this is what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. As you can see, sin 
spreads to every area of the tank of creation, the tank of the world. Sin does not stay in one area. Sin goes absolutely everywhere. And what's interesting to me is this, is that Adam and Eve, they were in there already. So Adam and Eve had children. You and I, we are their children. And everyone is born into the creation. This is you and I, and we all fall into this. We all fall into the waters of sin. And therefore, not only is the creation affected by sin, so too are you and I, our bodies. So what does that mean? What that means is the creation is struggling. The creation, everything that God has made, is struggling. It means from tornadoes and tsunamis in the sky to thorns and thistles on the earth, sin has wreaked havoc on God's good earth. And this essentially means that the earth is subject to decay, deterioration, decline, and death. The earth is struggling. I don't know if some of you have been part of the climate change marches or have seen them on the news. There's, there's an increasing understanding that actually this, this earth, it's in decline. It's, it can't, it's struggling. It's, it's groaning. And what I find really interesting is that 2,000 years ago when uh, the book of Romans was written by Paul, he acknowledges this. This is what it says in Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning. The whole creation is groaning. It's under stress. It's under pressure. It's, there's something wrong with it. And it's sin. And not only is the whole creation groaning, but humanity is groaning. Our bodies just like creation, the human body is affected by deterioration, it's affected by decline, it's affected by death. So much so that Romans 8:23 says this, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly. He's talking specifically about Christian groaning here, but to a degree we all groan. We all groan at our weaknesses. We all groan. We feel pain, we get sick, we die. We all groan. We know that something's wrong, even in our bodies. The glory fades. I groan. I know this personally. I used to have long, thick, black, curly locks. And now look at it. Now look at it. I got hairline issues. Seriously, not even Bob the Builder can fix my hairline. It used to take me only a few seconds to wash my face, and now it's taking me longer and longer just to keep on washing my face. Seriously, my hairline goes so far back, it's friends with Moses. I see you young men 
walking around the campsite with your fringes. Sometimes I see some gel and sometimes some clay, wax. I hate you. Yeah, I hate you. But, but God had a plan. God saw all of the decay, all of the deterioration, all of the decline because of sin. God saw this and he said, no, I have a plan. I will send my son, Jesus. And through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he would come back. He would return and Jesus would set everything straight. And Jesus would bring an end to this age, bring an end to this era, the era that you and I know, this era of sin, this era of of this He'd bring an end to it, and he would usher in a glorious new age, a glorious new era. Everything will change. And do you know what will happen to the human body? God will fix my hairline. God will fix my hairline. And amen. Do I need it fixed that badly? Wow, harsh. God will fix my hairline. And God will fix, fix the bodies of every single person, every single Christian. They will have new bodies, not subject to decline, decay, and death. Glorious new bodies. You will live forever. You will be made immortal. You'll stub your toe and it'll feel good. There'll be no more pain. And not only will the Christian be made new and have a glorious new body that will never fade but so also will creation this earth Uh, Jesus is going to usher in a sensational new creation let's call it creation 2.0 and this creation isn't going to be out there it's going to be right here this creation isn't going to be like heaven This creation will be heaven. Right here. Heaven will come down to earth, the Bible says. Here. Which means if you're a Christian, you will return to where you're sitting one day. It will look different. It will look perfected. But you will return. And this new creation, uh, there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more tears. There will be no more bullying. There will be no more criticism. There will also be no more sirens, no more police, no more ambulances, no more prisons, no more medicine, no more plasters, no more locks on doors. Why? Because Jesus has come back and brought an end to this age of sin and resurrected a glorious eternal age. This is the way all history is going. And let me say this. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't repented of your sin and done a U-turn from the direction that you were going, which was your own direction, and started going in Jesus' direction to follow Jesus, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you will have no part of this. I'm going to read you a scripture that I think is the scariest scripture in the whole Bible. What it describes is a situation when Jesus returns 
And there are people that see him as he returns that haven't repented of their sin and followed him in this age, in this life. I think it's the scariest scripture in the whole Bible. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What's going on here is Jesus is describing what happens to some when he comes back. And he's saying many people will say to him, Lord, Lord. And what he means by Lord, Lord is people trying to get his attention. Lord, 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 over here. Lord, 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 over here. And they're giving him examples and reasons why Jesus should let them into this new creation, into heaven. For us, it might be, Lord, Lord, Jesus, um, uh, I had a friend that's a Christian. Let me in. Lord, Lord, my my parents are Christians. Uh, Let me in. Lord, Lord, I went to New Day. Let me in. And Jesus will turn and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Hang on a sec. Why would Jesus say that? I mean, that's not very nice. I tell you, if you act like you don't know Jesus in this life, he will act like he doesn't know you in the next. That's the reality. But, but if you decide, even today, even for the first time, to put your faith in him and to give your life to Jesus, you will see the crowning of creation's king. You will see trees clap and rocks cry out in honor of King Jesus. You will see angel upon angel upon angel upon angel bow down low in honor of King Jesus. You will see saints, Christians from every tribe, every tongue, every people group, every language cry out, you are worthy, you are worthy, you deserve it, you deserve it. You will see at the name of Jesus, every knee bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has decided. He wants cosmic worship offered up to his precious son. Universal worship from the universe's savior. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Billy Eilish, you should see me in a crown. I'm going to run this nothing town. No. You should see him in his crown. He's going to run the whole realm. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Therefore, the glory of a sunset will be eclipsed by the glory of a new creation. The glory of musicians singing will be eclipsed by the glory of Jesus singing in delight over his church. And the glory of the crowd shouting, mercy, 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 will be eclipsed by the crowds chanting, holy, holy, holy. This is the gospel. This is the good news. But there's more. (laughs) Toby, you're telling me there's more. On morning one, we've learned that there was no condemnation and God gives me grace and kindness and and love. And on morning two, we learned that that God is a father and he wants me to sit on his lap and speak to him and he'll listen to me and he'll take away all of my fears. And then you've just told me that I'm going to get a new body if I believe in Jesus and a new earth. And you're telling me now there's more? Yes, there's more. This is what it says. We read it. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What this means is Jesus is the true heir. And what it means to be an heir, essentially, is to be the one that inherits everything. And therefore, Jesus, because of his status as son of God, he will inherit everything from his father. Jesus will receive everything because of his status and because of his work on the cross. Because he died and resurrected. He will receive everything. But what it says here is, you are fellow heirs with Christ. Fellow heirs. That means as Jesus receives everything, he also shares it with you. Which means, all things are yours. All things are yours. He shares it all with you. Therefore, Have a feel of the ground that you're sitting on. Have a feel. That ground belongs to Jesus. But it also belongs to you. Look out the window if you can. See the clouds and the sky. The sky and the clouds belong to Jesus. But they also belong to you. Look at this stage. Every molecule and atom belongs to Jesus, but he shares it with you. Therefore, New Day, therefore, New Day, understand you, you don't need fancy clothes. You don't need the latest games. You don't need makeup. You don't need the best phone. You don't need loads of followers. Because one day, you will inherit everything. Jesus will give it all to you. It's coming your way anyway. And not only will Jesus give you all things, 
He'll even share with you his glory. His very own glory. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But that's not even the best thing. The gospel gets even better. Because you and I, we will see Jesus face to face. And you, you will be able to see him face to face. You will be able to shake his hand. You will be able to hug him. You'll be able to bow down before him. The one that you have spent your life singing about, praising, serving. You will be able to see him face to face. He won't, you won't have to imagine him by faith. He'll be right there. He'll be right there forever with you. His, him, he belongs to you and you belong to him. And I'll end on this. I mentioned that Jesus has a new body, a glorious body, because he died and he was raised from the dead. But there is one thing about his body, his new body, that I want you to know. It's his hands. Because on the hands of Jesus, he will always bear the marks of crucifixion. And forever and ever and ever, when you see Jesus and you see his hands, you will remember what Jesus did for you. And when it's been 10,000, 10, by, by 10,000, by 10,000 years, you will sing and dance and hug Jesus because you see the victory scars that were bought for you. Isn't he lovely? Isn't he amazing? Let's stand up and worship this great King Jesus.